time for our preaching of the Word of God. Uh, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. You know, this is a story of Jesus when he came to Capernaum for the second time. So this is the second time when Jesus was in this village. If you are familiar with the preceding passage on which I preached last time, you would know that he had been here performing many miracles. He healed diseases and cast out demons and showing the power, the authority and glory of the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, a lot of people were attracted to him and Jesus became very popular. Uh, However, how did Jesus respond to this? In chapter 1, verse 38, we see Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. So Jesus seemed not to enjoy his popularity and decided to leave the crowds. Why? Because our Lord has great wisdom and he knows people's hearts. They came to him because they want to be healed. You know, they want the benefit of this life, not the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus did cure them. But at the same time, he said, I'm not here to satisfy every need and every worldly desire, but to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of heaven, which is for for the eternal good of my people. So this is what I came for. So Jesus stuck to his mission and deliberately escaped from the crowds and left Capernaum in order to preach in other places. So today's story happened when Jesus came back to Capernaum, when he came for the second time. He had returned to continue his ministry here. Let's see what the Lord uh, has teaching us in this passage. Read with me from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Hear the word of God. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they laid down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So this is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For the word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, 
instructing and guiding us in every aspect of our lives. Please help us today so that we can understand your word, remember your word, uh, and obey your holy word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this is an interesting story for me. Uh, it's a, full of drama that I have an impulse. I have a strong desire to make it into a micro-movie, just like what I was doing in China. I was a production manager of a Christian video company. Uh, however, you know, this story is, is not here just for fun. It has a special function in Mark. And I want to tell you that the story is here to call us to have genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Have genuine faith in Jesus Christ. First, what do I mean by genuine faith? What are the characteristics of genuine faith? Well, there may be many, but according to the text, I want to say one of the characteristics of genuine faith is that genuine faith can be seen. It can be seen. Look at verse, verses 3 to 5. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they laid down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, and later Jesus healed the paralytic. Here we see that the four friends are like uh, acrobats, right? They remove the roof, make an opening, and let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And the text literally say, Jesus saw, he see, he saw their faith. So, brothers and sisters, do you know that the genuine faith can be seen? Uh, if you have genuine faith, it will show up. It will show in your actions and you, how you live. I've heard a story about another par- uh, acrobat. Happened in modern times. The acrobat was so skillful, and he could uh, walk across walk across Niagara Gorge on a tightrope without any protection. You know, he could even do it blindfolded or trundling a, a wheelbarrow, or even sit down midway while he cooked and ate an omelet. Every time he performed the audience cheered very loudly, and he became very popular. But one day, when he was performing, he asked the audience, do you believe that I can carry a man on my back and across the gorge? Everybody cheered loudly as usual and shouted, yes, we know you can. We believe you definitely can do it. Then he asked again, raise your hand if you want me to carry you. Then suddenly, the crowd fell silent, and nobody raised their hand. I don't know whether you will agree with me, but when the crowd is shouting and cheering, you know, we can see that they really liked him, right? But do they have genuine faith in him? Not really. You know, their action of refusing to join him revealed that they actually have no confidence, no genuine faith in him. Uh, but later, a young boy raised his hand uh, and volunteered for the car- uh, for, the, for the acrobat to carry him across the gorge. After the performance, people came to the young boy and asked him, why were you so brave and dare to let him carry you? The young boy answered, because he's my father, and I trust him. You know, see, who is the one, 
who had genuine faith in the acrobat, the young boy, right? Because his faith showed up in what he did. James 2.20 says, faith without work is dead. We know that we are not saved by good work. But, you know, if you do have genuine faith, it will show up. It will show in your actions and how you live. Here, when the four friends of the paralytic came, they displayed their faith through their actions. And the text literally say Jesus saw their faith. You know, now I want to confess my sin because I, sometimes I feel that my faith is hard to be seen. So I'm more like the paralytic than the four friends. Brother and sister, do you think a paralytic can, can love? Can he love? Yes, he can, but he cannot help, he, help you to build your house, to show your love. He cannot do something to show his love to you. He cannot help you to build your house, cannot treat you to dinner or provide a ride for you to come to church. Can he hate? Yes, he can, but he cannot stand up and fight against his enemy, right? So for the paralytic, desire is one thing, but action is another. He can have a strong desire, but cannot put it into action. So this is exactly what I was when I was an unbeliever. I was spiritually paralyzed. I saw the joy and the peace in the lives of the Christians that I knew, and I admired them. But I didn't have the initiative or motivation to go to a church and study the Bible. It was my Christian friends who came to me and drove me to the church, treated me to dinner, and shared the gospel with me, just like the four friends of the paralytic. So carrying, carrying me to, to Jesus Christ. Now I'm already a Christian and even a pastor. I have faith. But sometimes I still feel that, you know, the paralytic is in me. Do you feel the same way? So the old self is still in us, and we still suffer spiritual paralysis. Do you commit to read the Bible daily, but soon give up? Do you resolve to pray for someone, but cannot persist? Or are you determined to love your brothers and sisters, but find yourself are too weak to do so? Let the four friends of paralytic be our good example. Be our role models. Like them, may we have genuine faith in Jesus Christ that he can see. And let us know that our genuine faith can be seen. So this is the first point I want to share with you. Secondly, uh, we are called to have genuine faith in Jesus Christ because he is the one who has authority to forgive, to forgive sins. We are called to have genuine faith in Jesus Christ because he is the one who has authority to forgive sins. Notice that when the paralytic came to Jesus for his healing, Jesus didn't say, you are healed. What did he say? Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw his faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. So what does this mean? Now I have a question. If I had been there, I would have asked Jesus a question cleverly, you know. Oh, dear Lord, is this a mistake? He came of healing. But why do you say your sins are forgiven? Why do you give him something that he didn't ask for? 
Do you see my question? When the paralytic came to Jesus with a physical problem, with a physical issue, Jesus did not say that he would heal him, but took this opportunity to address a spiritual issue for him, right? When he was more concerned about his immediate, immediate physical problem, his immediate physical need, Jesus pointed him to an eternal spiritual need. Like he always did in the scripture, Jesus pointed and directed people to their most desperate and greatest need, the need for forgiveness of sin. Here, by doing so, Jesus is actually telling us that the most pressing problem of this man was not his paralysis. It was his sin. It was the need for forgiveness. Now I want to confess my sin again. Not because I asked a silly question, but because that I feel discontent very often. I get worried and stressed about the smallest things. I argue with my wife about those things without realizing that my biggest problem, our biggest problem is sin. You know, we can worry about a lot of things, my money, my visa, and we can busy ourselves with the pursuit of all kinds of worldly things in this life, you know, even good things, health, comfort, beauty, success, or reputation. But we, what we really need, what really sets us, sets us free is what Jesus says here to the paralytic. Son, your sins are forgiven. Let this passage remind us when, when we think about those things that are our biggest concerns or our deepest longings, let them bring us back to our need for Jesus, to our need for forgiveness, and to see who Jesus really is and he, what he can really do in our lives. Our Lord knows us, know us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we really need, and he always gives us something even better than what we want. He does that so oftentimes in the scriptures, in, the, in our lives, right? Hallelujah. However, when we go on, we see some other people like me also question Jesus. Uh, but they had a different question than mine. My silly question is that, why do you give, some, give him something that he didn't ask for? But this is not their question. You know, they are scribes. They are much smarter. So they know the relationship between healing and forgiving. They know that once the sins are forgiven, the ultimate reason of all our sufferings are removed. They know the logic. So their question was different from mine. Look at verse 6 and 7. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. We, who can forgive sins but God alone? Oh, wow, I like their logic. You know, they were right. Only God can forgive sin because our sins are against God. You know, it's like, say, one of my friends, Andy, I owe him $100. But another friend of mine, Bob, came to me and said, 
and says, you are good, don't worry about the money. You do not need to return the money to Andy. I want to ask you, is, is what Bob says valid? No. It is valid only when Andy says so, right? Because he's the one who I owe money to. Only the one who I owe money to has the right to forgive my debt. Do you agree? So the scribes know this logic, and they knew that the sins, our sins are against God. Therefore, only God can forgive sins. And then they came to a conclusion. Jesus must be blaspheming. Then here comes the problem. The scribes might be good at logic, but they forgot something. They forgot that, that there might be another possibility. Jesus is not blaspheming. Jesus is God himself. The one who says your sins are forgiven is the one who really does have the authority to forgive sins. He's not blaspheming. He is God himself. Look at verse, verses 8 to 10. Jesus declared his identity. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus declared his identity. He is the one who has not only the power to heal, to perform miracles, but also the, the authority to forgive sins. He is God himself. So we are called to have genuine faith in Jesus Christ because he is the one who has authority to forgive sins. He is God himself. Now let's see how the story ends. Let's see what really happened when the one who had genuine faith encounters Jesus, the one uh, who has the authority to forgive sins. The one who has genuine faith and encounters the one who has authority to forgive sins. Look at verses 11 to 12. Jesus said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now we see uh, the paralytic who had be now become uh, the center of, the, of, the, of our attention, like a hero in the spotlight, right? Get up and went out. So I say he's a hero of this story because his simple action actually means a lot to us. You know, look at this guy. Can you imagine that what his life was like? He might have tried a hundred or a thousand times to get cured, right? Seen tons of doctors, but with no healing to show for it. You know, if I were him, I would have given up all my hope. I would, have, I would not even try to believe this healing had worked or try one more time to get up. But look at this guy. He took up his bed, got up, and went out without any hesitation. After a thousand times of failure, he tried for the one thousand the first time, and he made it. I want to say to you, this is a sign of faith, because he would like to hear 
and believe what the Lord said and act accordingly. And then the scripture says, they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now I have a question for you, brothers and sisters. Why did the 1,000 times come to nothing and only the 1,000 the first time worked? What is the difference? So the reason is this. The past 1,000 times were only his own wishes and desires. He might have some kind of faith, uh, maybe in doctors and medicines, but not genuine faith in Christ. There was no valid declaration of forgiveness of sins or powerful commandment of healing coming upon him. But this time, he had encountered Jesus, a better healer. His faith has encountered someone who said to him, your sins are forgiven and rise, take up your bed and walk. Who is this one? You know, besides the word he said to the paralytic, he also said something else long before this event. When he faced the universe that was formless, empty, he said, let there be light. And there was light, right? So if this one who says to the universe now says to you, your sins are forgiven, you know what? Your sins are really forgiven. When he says, rise and walk, you know, you will surely rise and walk. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. This one is God himself. So let this become an encouragement to us all. You know, some people say that history isn't really past. Our sin and guilt come back from time to time and bother us. So let this passage remind us of the forgiveness of our sin, of the assurance of our pardon and salvation. As he says, Jesus does forgive sins, and our shame and guilt are gone forever. Uh, they are to be replaced by joy and wonder. Brothers and sisters, have genuine faith in Jesus Christ, and let us rejoice, let us enjoy this freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We know that without you, uh, we are spiritually paralyzed, nor morally paralyzed. Uh, we, know, we know what is correct, uh, but we just cannot do it. We want to get up and walk, but we cannot because those are only our own wishes and desires. We need you. You are the one who has the authority to say your sins are forgiven and rise and walk. By saying so, you have made us a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Thank you, Lord. Now our shame and guilt are replaced by joy and wonder. We know that we can really enjoy this freedom in you. We praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.